and welcome back to the Football Tribute Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? Doing well. On today's podcast, we will be uh, discussing um, last weekend's FA Cup and Scottish Premier League results. Um, also discussing um, uh, some significant managerial departures. Um, discussing the end of the uh, January transfer window. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. Um, so we'll start off with last weekend's FA Cup results. So um, on the Friday, 26th of January, um, we had Chelsea now, Aston Villa now, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Coventry City 1, Bristol City now, Nottingham Forest now, Tottenham Hotspur now, Man City 3. And then on Saturday, 27th of January, um, we had Ipswich Town 1, Maidstone United 2, Leeds United 1, Plymouth Argyle 1, Leicester City 3, Birmingham City 0, Sheffield United 2, Brighton Hove Albion 5, Everton 1, Luton Town 2, Fulham 0, Newcastle United 2, and on Sunday the 28th of January, the results were West Brom 0, Wolves 2, Watford 1, Southampton 1, Liverpool 5, Norwich 2, Newport County 2, Man United 4, and then yesterday, which was um, Monday the 29th of January, we only had one FA Cup match, and that was Blackburn Rovers 4, Wrexham 1. So Pierce, um, quite a few again, quite a few results. Uh, to go through there, but is there one there that stands out to you? Um, that stands out to you the most? Yeah, well, I've the first <laughs> one that stands out to me tomorrow the most is um, the fairy tale story that just continues, and that is uh, Mason United um, beating Ipswich 2 1 away from home, which is obviously a six tier side beating a championship high, a high flying championship team. That have um that are pushing up there towards the uh, automatic promotion to the Premier League next season, um, and I thought Ipswich were really good on the day, created loads of chances, but they weren't clinical enough, and they allowed the Maidstone that was kind of resolute in the game. And to be honest, Ipswich left so much space open at the back, and I don't know if you've seen the goal, Tom. Uh, the the goal Reynolds, the first one. The, yeah, on the breakaway to then just dink the yeah. keeper you would never expect something like that from a city tier side and even the second goal as well it was really really nice and well worked but um, no, they, they punished them and they thoroughly deserved to go into the next round and long may it continue because um, this just goes to show if you fight work hard cover everybody grass and then show that composure in the final third you've got every chance of beating the big boys um, regardless of budgets or whatever because this is what the FA Cup and grassroots football can offer that pyramid scheme um, in terms of like, you can work your way up to the very top and anyone can beat anyone on any given day but I think that's going to be the, the biggest upset for me in the FA Cup and I think we've got to touch on as well um, the Midlands derby between West yeah. Brom and Wolves which obviously <laughs> unsavoury scenes between the fans um. I think uh, it was a few of the West Brom fans 
uh, and amongst the Wolves fans, or vice versa. Um, and you've seen bloody bloody heads and people getting escorted. It was like something for like back in the day, like the seventies, eighties, the fun people just fighting each other and like yeah. killing each other. It's just it's something you don't want to see in uh, in in, foot, in terms of football, modern day football in twenty twenty four. Um, but I just thought we did to touch on that. Um, Wolves obviously um, beat, uh, beat them quite comfortably, but um, I think the fans um, took it a bit too far. Um, but they, they're the two standard games for me uh, in the FA Cup last weekend. Yeah, they're exactly the two exact uh, results for me that stand out. Uh, obviously, you were just touching on the Ipswich Mainstone match, which was a great upset. Um, you know, I, I, I love to see these kind of stories where teams that Far down the divisions and they um and they go on such a good cup run, uh you know um you know it's such a good achievement for them. Uh, you were saying about the first goal, it was a brilliant finish. And I didn't think he meant it at first, but I think he did, and he kept the keeper on. It was it was a brilliant finish. Um, you know they kind of rode their luck in the game, but I mean going to Ipswich and winning two one and Ipswich have been amazing this season. They're challenging to get back into the Premier League, so uh, that was a great result. Um, a great kind of FA Cup result. And then you were touching on there about the Wolves West Brom match. Uh, you know, I think that was the first time because that's a Midlands derby, and that's the first time they two have played each other in about I think it was about nine ten years. Um, and yeah, at the end, kind of the last ten minutes of the game, the game got halted because of crowd trouble. Um, you know, uh. You know, but I, I didn't really know what was happening, but then we kind of found out that I think it was what you were saying about the fact that I think there was Wolves fans in the West Brom end and that kind of turned into fighting and stuff. So, uh, you know, that's something you don't really see a lot in English football anymore, that, they, that kind of stuff where matches are getting halted because of crowd trouble. So, uh, you know, that was kind of different to see. Uh, I just wanted to touch, I know they didn't win the match, but I just wanted to touch briefly on Newport County and Man United. You know, Newport County gave themselves, um, you know, they gave Man United a good scare, uh, because Man United were two 0 up, they looked comfortable. Then Newport brought it back to two each, and for a minute, Newport looked like they were going to go on and win that match. And I think if Newport were to, were to go on and win that match, I think that would have been probably the biggest upset in FA Cup history, or one of them at least, because um, you know, you didn't expect that to see that coming. But obviously, Man United did manage to put it back, but. Uh, you know, I thought um, Newport deserved a shout out because um, I thought they played a really good match um, and gave Man United a real good scale. Um, so, yeah, so obviously just uh, lastly, Maidstone was my standout match. Um, and that's now the Gaffey Cup match is kind of finished and I think now we're going back into Premier League um, in England and there's matches on tonight Premier League, which um, uh, will, get, will be getting played. So uh don't think we'll see the FA Cup uh, matches getting played for another couple of weeks or so. Um and then talking about the Premier League, uh we had a major bit of news uh, last week coming out of the Premier League, which was the fact that Jurgen Klopp announced that he was going to be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. Uh yeah, it was a massive shock because no one expected it. Um and basically he said his decision was based on the fact that he was running out of energy. Um, you know, he's been the manager of Liverpool for uh, nine years now. Um, and in that time, he's won the Premier League. He's won the Champions League. He's won the FA Cup. Um, he's won the League Cup. You know, he's basically won it all at Liverpool. 
Um, but he has announced that he is leaving at the end of the season. Um, and yeah, Pierce, what do you think? For me, I think it came as a, a shock, just like everyone else. Um, I feel as if if he was going to leave it to be in last summer before he started his rebuild, um, because that team had been together for like four or five seasons. You think of Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah. Like was, that was like the, and then obviously Naby Keita as well, James Milner. Um, that was like the nucleus of his side that they got challenging Man City all the way, getting 100 points in the Premier League, 97 points in Premier League, finishing second. They got to two Champions League finals, uh, three Champions League finals, lost lost two to Real Madrid, and then uh, won one against, obviously, Tottenham. And then, obviously, they won one Premier League themselves as well as, obviously, the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. So, and then, obviously, he had to basically build a full midfield and build a new forward line. And he's done that tremendously. And they're sitting second or first in the Premier League. Um, and they're probably favourites for me in terms of how well they're playing and the way they've re-energised that, that Liverpool side. I think they're really, really strong. And you think of the key injuries they've had as well. Like you've, Robertson's been out injured for a, a wee while. I think he just came back. Um, but you'd think, because like, they didn't really finish well. They're in the Europa League this season, so they're probably favourites to go on and win that as well. But the fact is, he's rebuilt the side. They had a poor season last year, but now they're having tremendous. And I think he just came out of the blue, obviously, during the January transfer window as well. But I think it's good timing for Liverpool because they can now start the process of finding a, a, a replacement. Um, but no, I think it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a massive loss for the Premier League and Liverpool because he he recently, I think it was last year, a couple of years ago, he got the, the keys to Liverpool. So I think the fact is that he had a connection with the fans as well and they adore him. I think he's up there with probably the best Liverpool I've ever had in terms of Shankly, Digleish, um, in terms of the, the best of our managers they've ever had. And to be honest, to stay nine and a half years at Liverpool or even a Premier League side is unheard of in, in modern football. Um, but no, I think for me, he, he will go down as a legend for Liverpool and I think it's a sad, sad loss. Uh, and it'll be a really tough task to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, um, it was a massive shock. Um, I didn't expect that at all. And just based on the fact of how well Liverpool played this season, the fact that they're well in the title race, yeah, I think we were, talk we were talking about that last week, about the fact that, you know, they've got a, re a really good chance of winning the league. Um, and then we got the news that, um, you know, he's leaving. Um, you know, he, I understand his reasons because, you know, for Jurgen Klopp especially, he he's a kind of manager that needs like a, a whole lot of energy. And, and if he thinks he doesn't need it, if he thinks he doesn't ha have it, sorry, then, you know, I don't see how he can carry on. Um. I read the I read I can't remember where it was, but I read something that uh, he was actually close to kind of he was actually really contemplating leaving during the middle of last season, um. But he he decided to stay on. But I think a lot of it's to do based on the fact that how tough last season was, and the fact that you know there's a lot of change and you know he kind of had to build a new side this season, uh, which he seems to have got right because they've had a really good season, but um. In terms of his legacy, as we just said, you know, it's a, a brilliant legacy he's left. It really is. You know, he's he's not won he, he's won a lot, but he hasn't won a whole number of trophies. But 
he's one of the big ones, you know, he got Liverpool their title, Premier League title back, they haven't won Premier League in, I think it was like 30 years or something, and the fact that he got them to win that, eh, that was what Liverpool fans were crying out for. Um, you know, he got them to, um, I think it's three Champions League finals, and he won a Champions League during that time. Um, you know, and, you know, this style of football, you know, Liverpool have been treated to over the last, um, you know, close to 10 years has been amazing. You know, the signs that he's made on, if, on in some signs, he hasn't really spent that much money and they've turned out to be amazing players. Um, you know, he's going to be a huge, huge miss for Liverpool. Um, you know, it, at the moment, it's quite hard to see Liverpool without Jurgen Klopp. We don't really know how that's going to go. Um, you know, it's going to be quite strange to see that, but it's going to be a massive loss and it is a big surprise. And I just wanted to ask you as well, now obviously that we now know Klopp's leaving. Obviously Liverpool are now going to be looking for a new manager. Is there a, is there a name there that you think would suit Liverpool? Um, who do you think should get the job? What, what do you think, Pierce? Well, you look at the... No, it's the candidates that have been drawn up. Um, I think obviously the, the number one favourite and obviously former player would be Xabi Alonso with how well he's doing it by Leverkusen at the current uh, time of recording. They're sitting top of the Bundesliga, um, two points clear. Um, just the standard of football they've been playing. Um, I think it's pretty similar to Liverpool uh, in terms of high press and high energy. Um, fullbacks bombing on. Um but obviously you'd have to go against maybe the the feeling obviously of being a former player because the fact is you've got to look at it is who's going to challenge and the fact is he's not really had that much experience in terms of managerial. This is his first major appointment in um, professional football as a manager because he was at Real Social B uh, for a couple of years um, and this is just, I think he's probably been a year in the job so far, because he only took over um, uh, last January. So the fact is, you probably maybe think it's maybe a bit too early, but the fact is, if you get the, maybe the opportunity to go and manage a Liverpool, it doesn't come around too often, but you've seen, for example, Frank Lampard when he took over at Chelsea. It did, doesn't always work out, and Steven uh, Gerrard probably, um, he was taught about always when he was at Rangers, he'd go to Liverpool, but you can see that he's, he's not capable uh, he, he struggled at Liver uh, Aston Villa, so I think for me he'd probably be the one that the fans want. Maybe the board will try to appease the fans by getting Javier Alonso. But for me, I think it's similar to um, when Sir Alex left Manchester United. It's massive, massive boots to fill. Um, I'm not saying Klopp is a better manager than Sir Alex Ferguson, but I think in terms of legacy for their club. Um, to, to replace someone like that is just unthinkable. Um, and also David Moyes struggled and ultimately got sacked less than a year in the job. So I think um, it's going to be a tough task. So I think probably the standard one that I'd probably throw in is probably a waiver shoot. It's probably Zinedine Zidane. Um, managed Real Madrid. Um, probably the most successful era of Real Madrid. And it's his only managerial experience to date. Anyone uh three Champions Leagues uh in in consecutive years, won a couple of La Ligas, Copa del Rey as well. Um and obviously he's one of these people that kinda he just stopped for him because he just he had no energy, similar to like Klopp. 
Um, but I think if maybe if you offered them the job at Liverpool, the fact is the squad they've got, and the fact is it's not as if it's like the end of a cycle for Liverpool. This is a new beginning. This is a, a young Liverpool team, a young hungry team, challenging all fronts. Um, but I think for me, um, between between Zidane and Javi Alonso, but I'd probably go towards Zidane uh, in terms of the experience. But I think Alonso, with the fans and being a former player, I think that's a, a nice shout as well. But um, no, it's going to be a really tough task for Liverpool to replace Jurgen Klopp. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's got, yeah, as you said, it's going to be such a massive, massive, um, uh, you know, job for anyone who gets a job. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's caused the legacy he's left at Liverpool. You know, it's just going to be so hard to kind of, um, uh, you know, replicate him. And also, he's like, so loved by Liverpool fans it's, and it's like I can't like I can't think of another manager in the world apart from Jurgen Klopp that's loved by uh, the fans so much then you know he, he just has the respect of every Liverpool fan and you know and they're, they're, they're devastated the fact he's leaving so it's going to be a massive job for whoever gets it and in terms of the favourite and who I think will get it I, I do believe I just have a feeling that will be Shabra Alonso you know, it just kind of it, it just kind of makes sense. It kind of written the stars a wee bit, and um, you know, Shabby Alonso's um, you know, he's at Leverkusen and the job he's doing there is is really really good. You know, they they look like they're going to go on and win the Bundesliga this season, um, you know, and the style of football that they play as well, it's pretty different to Liverpool, but um, you know, it's a it's a good style of football that they play, um, and it it just kind of looks it just kind of looks. Like it's written in the stars a wee bit, the fact that Shabby Alonso is going to get the local job. Um, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he did get it. Um, and then you were saying there about Zidane, you know, it's quite a good quite a good option there, quite a good shout. Um that Zidane could get it. Um you know, there's a couple of you know, you've got uh Deserbe at Brighton, who, you know, you never know, he he might get it. You know, you've got Postacoglu, because he could always a local fan. Um, you know, his idol, I think, was Kenny Dalglish. So, I don't know if that will happen, but, like, you know, maybe, the, you know, obviously the Postacoglu was a fan when he was a child, you know, maybe that might pull him in, but I doubt that will happen. Um, but you've got a whole a whole set of candidates there for their assistant manager at the moment. Uh, I think his name's Pep Linders. Uh, you know, he says he is leaving because he wants to be his own manager, so... You never know, maybe Liverpool might say, oh, start here. Um, you never know. But um, it's going to be such a massive job for whoever gets it. And then I think a lot of Liverpool fans have to worry about the fact the Man United thing, when Sir Alex Ferguson left, and Man United have just gone downhill. Uh, I think it's slightly different. And these scenarios are quite are slightly different. But, um, you know, it's, it's important that they get it right. And, yeah, at the moment, I think it looks like it's going to be Xabi Alonso. But... We'll see what happens. Quite a long way it goes still. Um, we'll talk about another bit of man- another managerial departure, uh, which is again is another massive one. Uh, we found out on Saturday night that um Xavi, who is a Barcelona manager, he announced uh, that he's going to be leaving Barcelona at the end of the season. Uh, this was announced just after Barcelona got beat by Villarreal five three at the weekend. Uh, you know, Barcelona have had a tough season. You know, uh, I think the fourth in the Liga 
uh, or third. Um, but they were, they've had a, a really tough season this season. Um, uh, and Xavi's announced that he's going to leave. Uh, you know, he said that you know he thinks it's it's the best for the players. Uh, he, he thinks that they give them freedom. Uh, from now until the end of the season, and then he's also said that he doesn't feel like he gets respected enough for being the Barcelona manager, and he says it's really tough, you know, to be the Barcelona manager because of all the criticism you get. Um, and he he made a few points. So yeah, Xavi's going to be leaving Barcelona at the end of the season. So once again, Piers, what, what's your thoughts? Well, um, I don't. Th- I'm not. I'm not surprised really. Um. I follow La Liga closely um, in terms of obviously supporting Real Madrid. Um, but with Xavi being, like you say, probably one of the greatest midfielders of the of, of any generation, especially Barcelona is probably one of the top three midfielders along with Iniesta and Busquets. He came back um, as a manager after having had spells over in Al Sad where he finished his playing career. Um, and he had them um, Playing tremendous football kit in Barcelona, and it was like a duck to water. He just took it; it just took off immediately. But it was brilliant domestically. But in terms of European, they'd probably some humiliating defeats. They failed to qualify from Champions League group stage two years running. Um, they get knocked out of the Europa League twice, sh- uh, shockingly, because if you're in the Europa League, Barcelona you expect them to go and win it. That didn't happen. Um, in terms of last year, they won La Liga at a canter. They were brilliant. Um, some humiliating defeats against Real Madrid, where they they just blew them away. Um, but then this season, it's just been poor in terms of all over. Like Lewandowski's not scoring enough goals. Their defense is far too leaky, and like you said, they've been knocked out by Bilbao in the Copa del Rey. Uh, beat Bavaria at the weekend five three. Uh, so they're out of Copa del Rey. Um, they're well off in the title race in La Liga. Um, also still in the Champions League. Um, uh, last sixteen, but in terms of like, and they were knocked out. Obviously the semi final of the Super Cup de España as well. So, um, it's not looking good. He's only got one trophy, like, uh, two trophies left to play for. But realistically, um, both pretty tough to do, considering how. Inconsistent the side have been, and obviously they've lost um, young Gavi t- t- for the season as well. So, and it, like you can, like you saying, like you, you mentioned there, with he doesn't feel he's getting respected. I think that's to do with the the board. I don't think he's getting the backing to go and strengthen. And obviously he's having to work with the the transfer bar going financial fair play, like because Barcelona have been run poorly uh, the past ten years or so. In terms of financially, we spent overspending with transfers that he's limited with what he can do, and I think he's done brilliantly with with the promotion of La Masia. It's similar to when Chelsea had the transfer embargo and they had to play some youth players like Mason Mount, Loftus Cheek, um, Rhys James, just to name a few, and it worked in their favour. But I think it's going to have to keep continuing. Like Barcelona are just walking at a loss every year, so they just need to keep. Producing players and there's some talented players, but you're, you're putting too much pressure on young players, and eventually it's going to it's going to tell because if you're playing the same players, young players, let's fifty, sixty games a season, it's going to burn them out and you need to bleed, uh, bleed the youngsters in gradually. But I think in terms of legacy, 
it's going to tarnish it a little bit because I think the fans have turned on him a little, which is sad to see because for me he's one of the, the best best players in of his generation. Um, but no, it's not a shot for me in terms of who replaced him. I I just don't know at this moment in time. Obviously, Talky Arteta being a former player as well. But um, I think anyone would love to go and ma manage Barcelona under any circumstances because, like you say, it's an elite club. It's one of the, t the top two. Um, you'd want to go manage them all around Madrid. So it's um, exciting times, but we've got you covered here. Certainly do. Um, in terms of, yeah, obviously, Shardy leaving at the end of the season, I'd agree with you. I'm not so surprised about it because he's been under so much pressure the last kind of month or two. Um, you know, the results haven't been going his way at all. Uh, as you, you were listening to the, the cups that he's been knocked out of, um, you know, and as you also listed the fact that they were conceding lots of goals and they're not really, they're kind of star main, aren't really scoring the goals, like Lewandowski. So it's been a really tough season for him. Um, and yeah, I, I'm not so surprised that he's going to be leaving it in the season. Um, you know, it's... I like, I'm slightly surprised at the fact that how badly our season's gone because last season they obviously won the league and they were and they hardly conceded any goals last season. But defensively they were rock solid. They hardly conceded any goals at all. Um, so I was quite surprised at that. Um, how badly defensively they've been this season. Um, so yeah, obviously now Xavi's made decision about the fact that he's going to be leaving. Then he was also talking about the fact that you know he, he thinks it really. It's difficult to be the Barcelona manager because of the criticism you get. Uh, obviously, I'm not. We are both not. We don't live in Spain, so we don't see it all every week. But uh, I'm sure Guardiola left Barcelona for that reason because he didn't feel because he just felt like he didn't get respect enough from like the media in Bar in in Spain. Um, so I don't know. There could be a point there. Um, I'm not too sure. Um, but in terms of who's going to replace him, again. It's a difficult one. I'm not. There's no real standout candidate for to be the next Barcelona manager. Uh, you know, you've got Luis Enrique at PSG. Could he maybe make a return? Um, maybe the Girona manager. Uh, Mikel, I think his name is. Uh, you know, obviously Girona have been top of the table this season. <laughs> I mean, they could end up winning the league and, you know, Barcelona make come call for him next season. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, Xavi leaving and we're both in agreement that we're not so surprised that that's kind of happening. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, last weekend's Scottish Premier League results. Uh, so I'll just quickly go through them. So uh, the results finished. Celtic, um, St Mirren 0, Rangers 1. Celtic 1, Ross County 0. Hearts 2, Aberdeen 0. Kilmarnock 2, Hibs 2. Livingston 1, Dundee 4. And St Johnston 1. Motherwell won. won. Um, so, Pierce, which match stands out to you the most? Uh, for me, I think it's the the big match um, for me. It was um, Hearts 2, Aberdeen 0 at Tynecastle. And also that's basically a shootout for uh, third third position in the league this season, I think. Um, and obviously, I thought Hearts were brilliant on the day. Um thought I deserved a win. It was a bit but it was quite a tight affair at times, especially in the first half. Uh both sides getting to break nil nil. And then obviously Hearts get a penalty in the second in the second half. And Shankland has missed I think three penalties in a row. So he's now off off penalty taking duties. 
and then Josh Grant um, dispatched it expertly. And then I don't know if you've seen the, the Shanklin goal in, in uh, late on. It's just honestly, it's just that it's just what he does. To be honest, it's week in week out, it's like another Shanklin wonder goal. You think the Edinburgh Derby goal he got um, the winner, and you think the one he scored in St Mirren on the half turn, he just without even any backlift, just rips it to the top corner. Well, it takes one touch and Travellers it right in the top corner. Past K- Keller Roos, who's a big goalkeeper and a pretty decent goalkeeper at that, especially in SPL. Um, and I thought it was just another string to his bow. And um, obviously there's talk of Shanklin staying or Shanklin going. A new contract's been offered today. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you'll if you'll sign that or not. Um, but for me, I think he just he's a standout player. He's top goal scorer in the in the in the Scottish Premiership this season, and it's a variety of goals he's scoring. And the fact is, he's missed three penalties in the last three games, and he's still scoring goals for fun. Um, it just shows the quality he's got. He can drop deep, he can link up the play, and for me, he's a difference maker for Hearts. And I think if they lose him, um. I think I think Hearts would drop down in down in the league positions because I think he's that important to them. But for me, that was a standout fixture of the SPL this week, uh, last last weekend. Yeah, um, it's exactly for me as well. Hearts to Aberdeen now. Uh, you know, I think that result will probably finish third in the table. Uh, you know, they've got quite a good gap now in terms of between third and fourth. Um, you know, uh, and they've been such a good run recently. So um, I think it will be uh, Hearts that finish third um, in the table. And then you've got Aberdeen, who, you know, really struggling at the moment, kind of not getting results, and Barry Robson's under a whole lot of pressure. Uh, you know, Aberdeen fans are really not happy at all. Um, and I think they're playing today at the time of recording this. I think they're at home to Dundee. And if that result doesn't go their way, then I could see, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Barry Robson is, you know, could lose his job, you don't know. Um, but that is my standout match from um, the Scottish Premier League uh, last weekend. Um, I just wanted to briefly touch on the Livingston 1, Dundee 4. You know, I get it result for Dundee, but for Livingston, it's every week it's just looking more uh, difficult for them to stay in the league. Um, you know, they've got a quite a drift in the at the bottom of the table. Um and you know, they haven't had a really good transfer window. So um yeah, it doesn't look likely that they're going to stay in the league this season. Um so I just wanted to touch on that. Um but my standout match from last weekend is the uh Hearts to Aberdeen Nil match. Uh we'll just touch on briefly the, the transfer window. So um We've got the January transfer window finishing uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, we've had some... Uh, it's been a pretty quiet window. There's not been a lot happening. Um, but I just want to ask you, Piers, is there anything that you've seen the last week that's stand, that, stand, that stood out to you in the January transfer window? Uh, what do you think? Well, I think the biggest one was probably the Calvin Phillips to West Ham. Um, I think that just solidifies that midfield for West Ham. Suchek, Phillips, Lord Prowse, that's solid, and you also get the creative players in front of that. And obviously that just that's two players in one, Lord Prowse and Phillips, that have now replaced Declan Rice. Because Declan Rice could do both roles in terms of getting forward and defending. And obviously that allows Phillips to then actually go and play some football. 
and being a reckoning for the Euros. And I think that's what a lot of players are doing. And another one that's came to me um, in, in, uh, today is obviously there's um, talks ongoing at the moment between uh, Nottingham Forest and Copenhagen for the transfer of Scott McKenna, which I think is a, a tremendous bit of business if he can go there because, like you say, he's been frozen out of the Nottingham Forest side and he'll be wanting to force him into uh, Steve Clark's uh, Scotland squad for Euros as well. And obviously Copenhagen are in the Champions League last 16 and they'll be playing Manchester City. So the fact that he'll be playing Champions League football if he goes there and obviously they're third in the league at the moment, only two points behind the top side. Um, so the fact is he can go and potentially win the Danish league as well as compete in the Champions League and obviously get himself in that Scotland squad for the Euros which will be vitally important for Scott McKenna because he's a quality player that just needs minutes similar to Calvin Phillips so they're the two standout transfers at the moment Yeah, for me it's just one and that's the Calvin Phillips to West Ham uh, you know I think it's a really good bit of business for West Ham uh, you know um. Obviously, a really good player. Uh, hasn't had a lot of minutes at Man City, um, but I don't think he'd have any problem at all getting into that West Ham team, and it kind of makes our midfield even more stronger. Uh, you know, um, apart from apart from that, I haven't really saw anything that's really stood out to me. This giant window, it's been really quiet. Um, you know, not really a lot happening, but we've got one more day of it, uh, and next week. You know, we should have a bit more kind of news about uh, who's kind of, uh, like what kind of players have left and joined other clubs. Um, I'm sure tomorrow there'll be a bit more kind of news coming out. Um, but yeah, my standout one from this week has been Calvin Phillips to uh, West Ham. Uh, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, Pike Sung Ho, um, twenty six year old fielder, South Korean, has uh, just signed for uh, Birmingham City in the Championship, um, having his contract expired uh, with John Hyundai Motors in the K League One, um, so the fact is he's um spent three years in South Korea with John Book, um, won virtually everything there was to win, um, he's played fifteen times for the South Korean national team. And played at the World Cup in twenty twenty two, scored in the last sixteen against Brazil. So the fact is he's a really good midfielder, can play a six or an eight position. And this is what he had to say in terms of joining Birmingham City. Um I'm really happy to be part of this club and this team. I'm really excited. I can't wait to start. Since he's young, I, I have followed this team. Um and I want to watch and play football in England. That's always been my dream. Um, when I had Birmingham was interested in me I was really happy I've known the club since I was a young kid so after meeting the manager and the directors I decided to come here Pike Soho will now wear the number 13 jersey yeah so that was uh, the breaking news in terms of transfer now we'll move on to um, the Asian Cup and so South Korea qualified for that round of 16 which we played um, um, pr uh, pretty soon um, so the, that, they qualified for a 3-3 draw against Malaysia uh, in the final group stage game which left them second place in the group so South Korea have only managed 1-1 in the group um, and that's now two draws in a row some selection uh, some sections of the media and fans alike are now starting to question Jürgen Klinsmann's management style 
Um, having struggled to score goals from open play as they are very reliant on set plays, this will need to improve as South Korea have drawn a tough tie in the round of 16 against Saudi Arabia, who are now managed by Roberto Mancini. Yeah, so, so South Korea drew 3-3, scored for Jong Jong-woo, um, Lee Kang-in's free kick in the Son's penalty in, at the time, and he conceded um, three goals the second half, one being in the 105th minute, virtually the last kick of the game, um, which was obviously devastating for South Korea. But now they play um, so, um they play Saudi Arabia, and uh, ten, uh, kick-off starts in... Um, uh, ten minutes, so that's uh, so today, the thirty first of January. Um, so the match report for the South Korea three Malaysia three is on the Football Trigger website, and also have a match report up later on tomorrow. Um, for the, the South Korea Saudi Arabia, and Japan have also qualified for the round of sixteen of the Asian Cup for a three one one over Indonesia, which sees Japan finish also in second place in the group. Um, so that's Group D, um, which with two wins and one defeat, um, had Jimmy Moriyasu suffered a shock defeat on match day two, well they suffered a two-one defeat to Iraq, and I'm sure it will have a learning curve for Japan to be properly prepared, um, for the round of sixteen tie, which the, where, where they'll face um Bahrain, who are managed by uh, Juan Antonio Pizzi. Uh, the Liga fans will remember him for being former manager of um, Valencia um, only a few years ago. So it'll be a tough fixture against the former Valencia manager and there are no easy fixtures in the Asian Cup as it's already shown. Anyone can beat anyone. So that was Wednesday, 24th of January, Japan 3, Indonesia 1. So uh, uh, Ayuda, um got a double and then a Hubner on goal later on and then Indonesia got a consolation goal right at the end. And also, um, so around the 16 tie for Japan, they will face Bahrain, and that's set for an 8.30pm kickoff on the 31st of January, and that is Korean Southern Time kickoff. So the match report is also live in terms of the Japan-Indonesia game, and they'll also have a match report for the Bahrain versus Japan match. And don't worry, Football Trigger's got you covered for all things Japan and South Korea with news on the podcast and more match reports on the way. Stay tuned as Football Trigger has got you covered. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Trigger podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Trigger YouTube channel and also the Football Trigger website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.